When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed and this is Marek Larwood. I'm Matt Larwood, and this is David Reed. Hello, listeners. Um, You've gone like that forever. I could do. Um, we're here to talk about uh, movie films uh, for a brief period of time, and then we're going to go away. Um, no one's going to cinema anymore because if we're in London today and it's sweltering hot. Yes, you don't really want to go to the cinema when it's swelteringly hot. Unless we don't really have aircon here, unless you're escaping a crime scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on the run from the law is basically the reason you go into a cinema. Or a sex pest. Yes, some kind of stalky man. Which will explain while that when I went to cinema. Yeah. I was no, I wasn't the only person in there. I was that was Godzilla. I'm almost delirious. I apologise. <laughs> I'm having to get up in the morning to do some World Cup show at five o'clock. It's now the afternoon. Yes. And you're lucky that I can say my name. So your name? I want proof. Marek. There we go. We, we'll we'll get half an hour out of you. Um, in terms of stalky men, you and I are in the top demographic of stalky men. What and, do you mean? And serial killers. Uh, white men in their 30s is uh, mostly who uh, murderers are. I have only got two years left, as it was my birthday recently. Thanks for the, all the birthday card listeners. <laughs> There were none. <laughs> Ooh. I went out for uh, a drink at my birthday, and you didn't come either. No, I'm sorry, I couldn't come. You did tell me on that morning that you were having drinks. Yeah, I was sat there in a pub by myself for an hour. You've got, and then you've got to organise your birthday well. I you did a three-pronged attack. Hang on a minute, I'm sorry, listen, this is a film podcast, but I've got a bone <laughs> to pick now. I texted you, you didn't even text me back to the next day. No, well, I was. I thought I might be able to uh, sneak out. Of what I, I don't remember now. I've got a dog. It's tricky um, juggling, uh, juggling who's looking after him and who gets to have fun. Um, I feel go. guilty that I have quite so many birthday cards now, directly opposite you on that uh, on that shelf. <sighs> the episode where Marek and David fell out. You listened to it right here. I thought you went to go and watch a film in. Yeah. When you turned it out on my birthday? No, no, I didn't on your birthday. Um, I don't enjoy films. Um, I... What? You don't enjoy watching films? <laughs> not at the moment. No, that's not true. We've seen some decent ones, I guess. It just feels a bit fallow. But um, uh, what did you go and see? Well, do you want mine first? Yeah. I went to see 
Groundhog Day. <laughs> okay. Renamed Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, interesting choice of so Tom you, Cruise in a leading role for a comedy. I'll tell you about what it is. Okay. Edge of Tomorrow. It's a sci-fi sort of film set in a sort of not too distant future. Guess who's blooming started uh, take winning uh, taking over the world? Uh, robots. Yeah, robots. Good. All right. Tom Cruise is a, an army captain, but he's not really a fighter. He's a talker. Okay. A bit like maybe me or you, David. Yeah. Um, and he gets sent to the front line, and something happens to him, which allows him that when it, it, he gets attacked by an alien, something happens which allows him to come back well it says on the poster live die repeat every time he gets killed he starts the same day again so it's basically a computer game his life is now a computer game yes it's like Groundhog Day but that power he has is sort of uh, important in helping defeat the aliens so he has to learn what to do exactly in that day for a process of elimination have a perfect day so it's the same as Groundhog Day yeah same as all computer games you play the level again and again until you do it perfectly in one go in one life Yes. Yeah. Emily Blunt did have this power. Right. And was this super fighting hero, but she lost the power. What happened? Uh, I can't explain without there being too much okay. spoilers. You don't need to know. Okay. It feels a bit... It felt really D-Day-ish as well. You know, that sort because of, I think when they land to fight the aliens... Oh, sort of Normandy landings. Yeah, it feels a lot like Saving Private Ryan, mm. cross with Groundhog Day, cross with... A uh, sort of bit of a futuristic bit. There are bits of what was that Matt Damon film where he had those big body suits? Uh, Elysium. Yeah, he's he's got they've got these sort of super fighting suits. It's become the new thing, isn't it? The sort of augmented soldier. I think because it we're close to it being a reality, so it's got. I mean, they did it in Aliens. That was the first obviously one, with the yeah. with the Digger Walker thing, the forklift suit that Ripley has, but. Yeah, Elysium tried it with just arms. Does he have full body sort of mech? Suit? Yeah, it's no. sort of full body thing. Um, and there's someone we know in this is Tony Wade. You know, Tony, yeah, he's an actor we know who sort of tends to play. He's in Game of Thrones. He plays sort of bigger built, fatter people. Yeah, but it was really nice to see him in this. Oh, that's good. He's doing well. Um, uh, Emily Blunt's in it. Tom Cruise is in it. I mean, I'm a big fan of Emily Blunt. I like her a lot. Why? Um, I've seen her in stuff where she just makes what could be a rather a dull role interesting because she's very natural with it. I liked her in The Adjustment Bureau, which is a deeply mediocre film, but mm. she's very good in it. Um, there's just something about her, I think. I'm not particularly enamoured of her. Um, Tom Cruise just plays Tom Cruise. Bill Paxton is in it playing cameo. A really small cameo. Right. As what? He's just a sort of army officer. Right. But you just think, I oh, want not have him as uh, Tom, in Tom Cruise's role. Well, it wouldn't sell any tickets. But he's far more interesting. But it's odd when you see someone like Bill Paxton, who is in uh, The Brother, uh, Elder Than Weird Science, and of course in Aliens is yep. his biggest film. And was quite big for a bit, wasn't it? I think. And well, now he's but he, he was, but he wasn't. You know, he was never huge. Uh, you know, he was. He was. He's. He's actually the punk that. Um, Arnie steals the clothes off in the first Terminator film. Is he really? Yes, because James Cameron and he worked together a lot. Um, and he played Gina Carano's dad in Haywire recently. Did he really? Which is a Soderbergh film, but he's he's always been sort of guest actor, hasn't he? 
Yeah, I think he, he should be in more stuff, but I suppose he's getting a bit... Oh, no, and Near Dark he's in. That's a yeah. great film, Near Dark. Um, yes, yeah, so... This film's been really popular. I don't really understand why everyone's saying it's amazing. Okay. Because it is the plot to Groundhog Day. Sure, but, I mean, you can you can retell a story in a new way and it would still be fresh, I suppose. It's in the way you tell it. I think Tom Cruise is all right. He's just Tom Cruisey, and it felt like he's done these. He does sci-fi action films now, doesn't he? It? It's pretty much it. Like the one he did last year that was really average. I can't remember the name of Oblivion. Saw. Yeah, um, the aliens aren't very good in this either. Are the aliens or robots made by man? No, they're aliens. Right, but they're just. Um, we talked about this before. There hasn't been a really good alien. It's really for hard for a long while. I think it it's become really hard with the uh, no practical effects. Because you can just sort of, they can do anything and sort of, everything looks a bit like the Transformers these days. Yeah, that's a problem. I wonder whether in 50 years time people will say, why do they bother that doing CGI for those 20 or 30 years? It was rubbish. <laughs> and they'll like some stuff like um, old um, Harry Harrison bloke. Yeah, yeah. His, that stuff that will be respected. And they go, there was like 30, 40 years where CGI was just terrible. But in the it future, really, it'll look really dated. They'll now. be able to build an actual robot. That can play the baddie, and the robots will actually watch the films. Yeah, the robots. Cinemas made out of humans. They will study the uh, the Ray Harryhausen films in go, cinemas mm, made. I out could do that. Maybe if I did that with my arm, that would be good. In cinemas made out of humans, made out of human bones. Someone could a robot could be watching a cinema inside you right now. No, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> yes, it, it could. I'm really. <laughs> Yeah, it could, but I think it's unlikely. Why not? I mean, you don't know, do you? You don't I'm know. Just, no, I don't know. Have you ever been, have you got, had looked inside no, yourself? No, I've never looked inside myself. So can you I say? cannot categorically say there isn't a robot watching a so film. So why take me. that tone? I'm just me. saying. I'm, I'm. I choose to. I'm older than you. It. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to take that tone. Okay. Okay. You're not allowed to. Well, there's only one way to settle this. Is for you to <laughs> cut yourself open. And see if there is a robot. I was thinking endoscopy, but all right, yeah. Okay, if for you to put something in my iPhone, iPhone camera. One day, iPhones will be. That will be the breakthrough. The eye endoscope. When the iPhones become small enough to put up your ass, people go. Do you know what? A bloody robots up there. Yeah, there they are. Look, all hanging out like the gremlins. Oh, and there's no robots up people's asses in this. Okay. Um. Is is Tom Cruise still a sort of decent leading man? Do you still like him, or is he? It's a secret. I watched his. I, I watched an interview. I talked about the Graham Norton show before. The, 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 the big show uh, for people who aren't uh, listening in the UK, the equivalent of Letterman or something like that, is yeah. Graham Norton now. Yes. Where he's sort of suddenly from having sort of normal guests like five six years ago. It's just Hollywood film stars coming on to promote their film. Yes. And the stars of the film you went to see came on the same episode as Tom Cruise. Oh, yes, I saw that. And it was quite awkward. It f- looked it. I uh, saw a clip of it. It looked like Emily Blunt hated... Um, Seth MacFarlane. No. Uh, Tom Cruise. No. Graham Norton. No. The, Herself. No, the lady in your one. Oh, Charlize Theron. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt telling sto- stories, and Tom Cruise was just a bit boring. Yeah. He was so famous that everyone laughs at his stories, and they were 
shit stories. I wonder if his uh, PR people have told him to tone it down because he got a really bad reputation for a few years because of his chat show shenanigans. Didn't yeah, he? maybe. His stuff on Oprah and everything. He looks... Uh, he is socially awkward. I don't feel relaxed... Oh, I don't feel relaxed um, uh, around him. I just feel like he's a weirdo. And Emily Blunt was... It's almost like... It felt like Emily Blunt was sitting on the, t- on the sofa with someone with Asperger's. Yeah. But that person was so famous that no one could admit they had Asperger's. Yeah. And everyone was laughing and clapping at things they were saying. Well, I've heard... And I worry that that's what people I've heard might it... do for me, but in, in a different <laughs> way. You know, not in a sort of... Not I'm famous, like, oh, there's something badly wrong there. I'm just going to laugh along because that makes me feel safe. Pity laughing. Yes, you can um, call it that, yes. Uh, it's funny, actually. We should probably mention, because I, I would like to, that uh, it was the news that Rick Mayle passed away. Yes. last week yeah uh, which was very sad I mean he, he didn't have an illustrious film career but he is in uh, American Werewolf in London one of the best films ever made uh, and uh, Drop Dead Fred I think is brilliant but the reason I bring it up is um, I watched sort of old interviews with him from the 80s and stuff around the time he was promoting Drop Dead Fred and stuff and he was on Letterman and my god interviews were terrible in the 80s Letterman is barely trying to make him welcome or to get anything good out of him he's just sort of going right yeah sure really okay Rick Mail bye it's so embarrassing really yeah like they've really That's, upped their game in I, terms of I disagree there because when you look at the old Parkinson oh Parkinson was good and, but and some of the Wogan ones no Wogan's Rick Mayo one was really lazy well, as no, well no just the Rick Mayo ones I think cause they, didn't, they, were, they didn't that's their attitude towards specific stars I think they also were on edge because of his reputation Rick Mayo of just like going there if you know what I mean yeah. so they maybe they sort of felt they didn't know if they should encourage anything he says yeah but I, I thought it was interesting anyway but uh, no terribly sad he's gone he was, of course, in um, cast as the mischievous ghost in the Harry Potter films, and they cut everything he did for those. Uh, Chris Columbus shot far too much footage, and Rick Mayle's entire character ended up on the cutting room floor. Do you tell you what happened? I tell you what happened to me on my birthday. Well, no. I this is, a, this is my terrible birthday before I went to the pub when then no one turned up. I left uh, a rehearsal for something I was doing. Yeah. I was on my way home and I bumped into the directors for something I can't name I was in the final scene for and they said oh your scene was really funny but we cut it because didn't fit in with the film a big English film that oh, will be coming up soon can you believe it so what happens with the pay situation I think I'll probably get paid when it comes out I'll be able to say what, what happened are you still credited there's a thing because um, a friend of mine was in Prometheus but all of her shots were cut but she was still in the credit well we'll see look out for it well, I can't mention it, so there's no point. Okay, you're not allowed to even mention it. Why? I've signed. I have to sign it. When you're doing a film, you have to sign a confidentiality agreement. But that you can't even mention it exists, or that I you're can't in even it. Mention the thing. I don't even. I didn't read it. I just signed it. <laughs> so you, you're being super cautious. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> wow. I can't mention something that I'm not going to be in. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about it. I mean. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. Right, what do you want to say about it? I want to say I enjoyed it. I knew I, thought I knew exactly what was going to happen the whole way through. Yeah. It didn't surprise me at all. And I think that the idea, the Groundhog Day idea, is such a perfect idea. Yes. You can't really mess it up. 
I don't think they pushed it far enough in some situations. It was only a couple of bits were quite really quite clever. They could have gone really really clever, uh, and it was quite predictable. Nonetheless, it was enjoy- enjoyable. Maybe because of Emily Brunt, maybe because of the good cameos. But I think the idea itself is so good that makes the film good. It's not anything you go, oh, well, that's a seminal film like a Blade Runner yeah. or a great sci-fi one. It's something taking their idea and making it. It's a good summer blockbuster. I did enjoy it. It's really well made. And it feels the pace is right and does all the things in film, but it didn't blow me away. I'll give it seven marics. All right? Everyone are fine about <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, that's good. Um, well, I do want to see it. It's one that I've, I've wanted to see uh, of the things coming out. Um, I wonder when we will get a seminal uh, sort of adventure sci-fi again because I think Moon has probably oh, got up there as one that, to say that and, is, and yeah. Gravity, although it's not really sci-fi, not really, it's all technology we already have, so um, I don't know, if I'd argue it isn't science fiction, but in terms of sort of your adventure ones, like, uh, you know Robocop or Total Recall or Blade Runner or mm. whatever Alien even, um It'd be nice to get a new one, wouldn't it? That is properly good. But Too many superhero bloody films. This is a new intellectual property. Interesting, because it's what based it? on a book, Edge of Tomorrow. Um, but it's not a remake of a previously existing TV show or film, which is encouraging. Um, well, it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> okay. Um, but Moon, I'd say, was one of the greatest sci-fi films in recent years. I've been listening to the soundtrack. It's Clint Mansell who does it and if you listen to Welcome to Lunar Industries the track on that it's a good thing to try, listen to on the way to work that's okay. all I do now listen to soundtracks of films yeah makes you uh, seem uh, important like a protagonist no because I, I don't like listening to people talking ah right so I'm probably I'm probably saying it to the wrong people because if, you if you don't like listening to people talking you would have switched off by now do you want to read a letter out yeah go on middle section what have we got a letter. Good. Well, it's not, it's an email. Uh, Australian accent. Uh, right. Dear David and Merrick, have either of you seen Blue Caprice? Merrick's recent theory on films with the word blue in the title reminded me of this, and I was curious if it would get the same stamp of approval. I agree with Blue Jasmine, and blue is the warmest colour, so I'll definitely try to see Blue Ruin. Thank you for the review. <laughs> also, while I'm here, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on Upstream Colour. I enjoyed it, and I'm fairly sure I understood the plot, but I think, just like Primer, multiple viewings are probably needed to get the most out of it. But that's just my two pence. Just like David, I too found that Primer stuck with me, and Upstream Colour certainly had the same effect. A film recommendation, I recently saw Enemy, which, like the double, has a plot which deals with someone discovering a better version of themselves. Interestingly, or perhaps uninterestingly, Enemy is based on a novel called The Double, but not the one written by Dostoevsky. I found it to be more enjoyable than The Double, but it definitely needed an extra viewing and some effort to try to interpret what actually happened. A reviewer on YouTube gave it a positive review and folded up with an analysis video which certainly helped. If you happen to see this film, I'll be interested in any thoughts you have. A short film recommendation, Johnny Express. This is about five minutes long, and I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Thanks for the great podcast. Keep watching the films. Mundeep. Mundeep. Thank you, Mundeep. He was talking about Upstream Colour, which is a Shane Carruth film. He's like this sort of alter... If you haven't seen Primer, Primer's a time-travelling film. 
and and you have to we watch which is which I w- has stayed with me. I right? was underwhelmed by my first viewing, but then the actual film itself stayed with me and sort of lingered, and I enjoyed, you know, picking it apart afterwards. So, it's totally original. Yeah, it is. It's really good. And it feels... It's, it's a different film experience. So I'm really keen to see Upstream Colour, because he just filmed that on the same camera, on a literally a £1,000... Same camera as you've got as you made your film Fandango films. Ah. That uh, uh, Panasonic GH2 or something. Yeah. Which is incredible. So I'm re- I will I will be seeing upstream colour soon. Maybe we should see that if uh, we run out of good films to see at the cinema. Yeah, well, we should post those links from Mundeep on our Facebook page so that people can find them. Uh, well, t- tell me about this Facebook page. The Facebook page. Well, uh, yes, if you'd like to share any uh, film recommendations with each other and with us, uh, potentially have us talk about them or just open up any other discussions about films you may... Uh, want to discuss with other like-minded people then go to our facebook page facebook.com forward slash film fandango or you can email us if you'd like your email read out on the show dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or you can tweet us if you really need our attention quickly and that's uh, at mr david reed at marrick larwood or at film fandango and we do this entire podcast for free um so yes marrick you put your hand up I didn't mean to, I was just stretching. Okay. Uh, we do this podcast for free, and uh, we really need your... Yes, Marek? I put my hand up then to see if I... Yes, and Marek. I... <laughs> I put my hand up then just because I stretched the first time, and it... David thought I put my hand up. So, to amuse myself purely, <laughs> I put my hand up. Okay. To amuse You've got myself, nothing, you don't want to say anything. I have nothing to say. Okay. Can I get on with this bit? Yes, carry on. Okay. Uh, we do this podcast entirely for free. Um... Uh, and we are dependent upon your donations in order to keep doing it. So to everyone who's donated already... And to feed and clove ourselves. Put your hand up if you want to speak, please. Good, he doesn't. Um, uh, Yes, so to everyone who's donated already, thank you very much. Um, And if you'd like to donate, um, because you haven't, or you haven't in a while, then please go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the link from there and... Again, thank you to everyone who has. Yes, thank you very much. You're very generous. Hey, can you do um, Bane? You can do Bane. We've had Bane before. Or Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I can attempt to uh, slaughter both of those accents. I think you should do Morgan Freeman. Okay. Because we've got an email here from Richard Bald. Hasn't he won, he won a competition a while back, I think? Yeah. He won our one competition for ah, a DVD, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, anyway, it's another letter. If you like letters or emails... <laughs> you like hearing people read them out? Well, you're in luck because there's one coming up. <laughs> oh, it's like, it's like watching a modern documentary, this. It's just constant uh, telling people what's about to happen. I'm going to read a letter now. Uh, Morgan Freeman, yeah? Boop. 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 Hi. Going back a bit because I'm catching up on the podcast, so ignore this if it's been mentioned subsequently. You mentioned briefly about films that had a good premise but were poorly executed in time and may warrant a remake in better hands. I wondered if you had any other films you think may fall into this category and who would think might do a good job doing it. For instance, I think Invention of Lying might have been better if someone like Michelle Gondry or Spike Jones had made it. I also think Looper may have been better if Terry Gilliam had made it. I was also wondering if you've seen Super. 
very odd film, but can't really decide if it's good odd or bad odd. Cheers. Keep up good work. Richard Bald. P.S. Axel requested Bane. Or Morgan Freeman. That was really good. It was It was not. What was interesting was that he really, Morgan Freeman, really excited Buddy. Yeah, he got very excited. That's there. Buddy the dog, not a human being, for those who are listening. Hi, for Buddy. The first time. Who's a good boy? <laughs> it's like a robot's voice, isn't it, when I do it, though? It's like a... Maybe he's a robot. Hi, I'm the voice of Siri. Listen, we're trying to answer Richard Ball's question. Yes, uh, films that are great premise but poor delivery, so the really they should get another shot at it. I really enjoyed Looper. I know people didn't, but I, think I thought it was great. fine. Emily Blunt, again, very good in it, I thought. I thought Looper was... I don't know if I'd remake that. Um... Invention of Lying I didn't see because I'm not a big uh, Ricky Gervais fan yeah. but um, I could I can see that because it's a cl- it feels like a classic 1980s concept movie doesn't it that should really have been done by uh, Dan Aykroyd or Eddie Murphy or somebody but um, uh, yeah I, I uh, let's think let's think anything it's almost the, I mean I think it's quite hard to do that especially see with remakes I mean for example like the original Rollerball was amazing. Yeah. And then when someone remakes and gets it all wrong, you think, oh, that's... Yeah, but the reverse. What about... It's it's never been remade because the first was terrible, but it had such great potential to it. What has? No, that's the question. That's what... Yeah, yeah. What would I remake? It's got to be rubbish in the first place. Yeah. Well, there's an ice cream van. Well, I've got some sad news about ice cream vans. What? A lot of it is a front for drug dealing. No. Yep. Is that why you can steal a drug dealing ice cream van in Grand Theft Auto Vice City? Yes. Apparently in Liverpool around there. In fact, they had some drug dealing ice cream vans in a great in, in a Happy Valley, which is a brilliant programme I saw the first two of. Yeah, I've not watched it yet. Oh, it's amazing. Um, but a lot of people do drugs from ice cream vans. Shame, isn't it? So next time you get your Mr Whippy... But not to kids. Always check the chocolate finger. <laughs> always check it anyway. <laughs> Um, his other question was we've seen have we seen Super yes we reviewed Super probably about a year ago now yeah a while ago which is the guy from the uh, American office in it um, it's uh, oh is that Super yeah I think it's Super 8 yeah Super yes with um, uh, oh my god Dwight from the office I can't remember he's got a weird name hasn't he it, Rain Wilson yes um, yes and it was actually that one I might remake you know, because I thought it was good, but there was there was a tonal inconsistency that it could have been really good. I prefer to kick ass. I think. Yeah, yeah I think I do too. Um, I like the violence in Super, where he's his character is he's playing a protagonist who you should feel for, but some of the actual scenes, like when he hits someone with a, a spanner, yeah. is so horrifically violent. What well, sort of the premise? Her. The premise is sort of what would happen in real life if somebody became a masked vigilante. But the premise isn't that, because a load of sort of very story things happen as well. It sort of... It only went halfway there, you know? I would have been interested in the full gritty realism, I think, with that story. Yeah, maybe. What would you call yourself if you're a superhero? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Super Davis? Super, no, no. I'd want to keep my private life hidden, and I think that would give it away. Super, super, super D. Super D. Super D. Uh, the D unit. 
The so, D unit's quite good. You like that? What would you be? I'd be uh, Go Boy. <laughs> go Boy. I like Go Boy. That's good. Do you want to? Do you want to team up? Or no. no, 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 no. Fair enough. I only operate in men's toilets. <laughs> only crime in men's crime toilets. Crime in men's toilets is really annoying. It's mostly, uh, you know, public indecency. Yeah, and I've littering. I've had to make my whole costume out of toilet tars because otherwise I get coated. It's the only way I can clean the, yeah, wipe the clean. piss off. Wipe clean. Anyway, we're not here to talk, are we? Yeah, I think we are, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can you think of one film? Dracula. The oh, yeah. Dracula, I thought, was really badly made by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, it was. It and had such potential doing that full story as well, and it, it was sort of pony, wasn't it? It was half casting, and it was just a bit slow. And Gary Oldman was yeah. laughable. And uh, Keanu Reeves' accent was terrible. And we were, Jonathan we're, Harker. And Winona Ryder's not um, a strong actor. And and uh, Anthony Hopkins going full, I have one housing! Have you got one? Uh, actually, Van Helsing. Then, in that point, copycat. No, I, I can't think of a movie that I hated but really wanted it to be good. That isn't a sequel. You know, like like the Star Wars prequels, for instance. Yeah. Brilliant potential idea expanding the Star Wars universe should have been done by other people, but that's been said a thousand times. Um. Oh, there's the police after the um, the ice cream van. Yeah. Um, uh, have you been to see a film? I have been to see a film. I saw A Million Ways to Die in the West. Are there a million? No, there's about uh, about eight or between eight and twelve, I'd say. Tell me what I need to know. A Million Ways to Die in the West is the second film from uh, creator of Family Guy and American Dad, Seth MacFarlane, uh, after his uh, premiere film of... Uh, premiere? His debut film of Ted, starring Mark Wahlberg, and he voiced an animated teddy bear uh, who was foul-mouthed, etc., blah, blah, blah. This one, he is actually starring in himself as a young, naive, um, Wild West sheep herd, um, who is a bit of a loser, but ultimately sort of nice and jokey and charming. Sounds like me. And he's he's dumped by his girlfriend, played by Amanda Seyfried, and then, for no apparent reason, starts uh, hanging out with the incredibly hot Charlize Theron, who is a stranger in town. Um, and But, uh-oh, and she helps him find his uh, self-confidence in order to win back his girlfriend, but he ends up falling in love with her along the way. That, that, that always happens whenever you get dumped, you've got to come to a really beautiful person coming along the way. I know, but it turns out she's already married to the most dangerous uh, outlaw in the entire region, Liam Neeson. Oh, not Big Hans Leeson. Big Hans Leeson, old wolf puncher himself. Oh. Um, so, yes, this is a Wild West comedy. I accidentally called him Leeson then. I think it's really good. Leeson. Yeah, you just call him one Leeson. word. Yeah. Leeson. Leeson. Then you could have a film that stars both Leeson and Gleeson. Well, that would be good. Yeah. Um, this It's it's 100% a Seth MacFarlane film in that it's got all your usual bits. It's got a musical number. It's got a load of sex and dick jokes. It yeah, yeah, yeah. totally belittles women and people of ethnic minorities and homosexuals. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what, what? I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, 
I I got exactly the same uh, feeling from this as I get from watching three episodes of Family Guy in a row, which is he's very good at writing gags and a, uh, a turn of phrase that feels sort of new and contemporary, and he's very, you know good at delivering them but if you watch over half an hour of it you start to feel a bit sad about the world and that's exactly what this is as well it's it's just you know Charlize Theron is brilliant in it actually well she's an amazing actress really really charming and funny and uh and Seth MacFarlane sort of holds his own but it's just got that slight whiff of vanity vehicle about it that's my big question is he whenever I've seen the trailers his face doesn't really move. He looks so Botoxed all the time. Has he had Botox? I'm sure he's had work done. Is he a good actor and is he strong enough to hold the film? That's not right. really. His voice works great, but his face facial work isn't that great. You know, he's not showing a great range. He's just sort of doing, um, you know, Brian, basically. But I, um, it, he's sort of fine. But no, it's, it's the fact he's written it too that... You need to be really careful as the star when you do that because, uh, you know, it's the whole thing of the two of the most beautiful women in Hollywood at the moment are inexplicably in love with him. And it's not that funny because he's not a total slob, you know? Okay. He's, you know, he's not, he's not hideous looking enough for it to be a joke. It's just sort of wish fulfillment on the part of the writer. How many times did you laugh out loud? Probably two, three. Mm. Two. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is in it as the love rival to Amanda Seyfried as a man with a moustache. And he's excellent. Um, and there's a whole bit with... Um, Doogie Howser, you mean? Yeah, Doogie Howser. Can you yeah. just call him Doogie Howser rather than Neil Patrick Harris? Sure, Doogie Howser's in it. Thank you. MD. Um, and Sarah Silverman plays a prostitute who is uh, saving herself for her... Uh, her boyfriend so she sleeps with everybody in really graphic I'm not a uh, way but uh, won't have sex with her fiance until they're married and they talk about that endlessly like it's it's a brilliant idea it's just mm. sort of yeah there's lots of talk of jizzing on the women all the time and I just get a bit tired of it why don't you just jizz on the floor instead well there you go why not has it been there jizz in a bin do it straight in the bin oh jizz in a bin um, yeah, it's it's sort of exactly what you'd expect, you know. It's well executed. It's a bit by the numbers. It's occasionally funny, but I've I am a bit I'm a bit tired of him. <laughs> How many Davids? Five. An average film. Mm-hmm. If you go on a date to see this film, do you get an indication of what sense of humour your date likes? Probably. I mean, they probably aren't. They're probably a bit sort of possessing of women and uh, and sort of a bit, I don't know. They probably haven't got any female friends who they don't go home and think about sexually later. How old is he then? I've no idea. He must be in his 40s. So when you're in your 40s, you stop thinking about stuff Well, like I, he comes across as a really sort of savvy, media-trained guy who is... Exactly writing what the the lowest common denominator want, but you know he, he's the one who missed the nine uh, eleven planes. He just wasn't he? Was Is that on, right? He was booked on one of the planes that flew into the twin towers, and he missed his flight. Blimey. So none of this would have happened. Wow, that's what he says. 
He says he missed it. He says he tried to get it. Get it. Well, I'm not. I don't think we should need to make any more allegations against Seth MacFarlane. He's had enough from the conspiracy theorists. Yeah. yeah. That that must be scary though. Yeah. Being Seth MacFarlane. No. <laughs> Missing your plane. That's like proper screenplay stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's my comment on that. That's one. your comment. Yeah. Bring it all down with some 9 11 chat. Listen, it's getting. It's nearly 26 degrees Celsius. Yeah. What's uh, your point? And I've been up since 5 o'clock. Okay. I'm very tired. Okay. Well, um, I want to end the podcast. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Well, that, that's it then. I, it's five, five million, five for Davids for Million Ways to Die in the West and seven Marricks for Edge of Tomorrow. And hopefully I'll go and see uh, um, 22 Jump Street next. Yeah, looking forward to that. When my cinema starts showing it, it's rather rubbish films. Yeah, what else is coming out? I've not seen uh, Oculus got a good review in The Guardian this morning. What is Oculus? It's a new horror film about a mirror starring Karen Gillan. Oh. There you go. Um, Right, well, we'll be back next week with more films. Keep Keep watching the films. Bye. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.